So today we do continue uh, our sermon series on Nehemiah that uh, began in January and was titled God's Emerging Future. And since we've been away from it for a while, um, I'm just going to give a bit of a summary of what's happened in this book so far. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king in Babylon, but he felt God calling for him to go to Jerusalem and, as we heard, to rebuild the city walls. And he did that with the people of Jerusalem. It wasn't just a project for himself, it was a project for everyone. And it was completed in 52 days, but not without several months of prayer and reflection. The year was 446 BC. It was 140 years earlier that in 586 BC that the Babylonians, under the leadership of King Nebuchadnezzar, had taken the people of Judah as captive. So their city and their temple had been destroyed. So this city was in rubble for many generations. So Nehemiah journeyed to Jerusalem with the intention of returning to Babylon. But he became governor of Judah for a period of 12 years. And Nehemiah was a leader. He had zeal, he had passion, he had enthusiasm. He had humility and reverence for God and for doing God's will. He had commitment. He had compassion for the needy. He was a mover and he was a shaker. And he desired to seek God's emerging future. And along the way, Nehemiah learned that God's emerging future is not simply a destination, but it is a journey. It's a journey that involves continually moving forward, discerning God's will for their personal lives, for our personal lives. And at that time, for the life of the Jewish people as a whole, or in today's context, discerning God's will for the body, the church. Physical walls needed to be taken care of, but so do spiritual walls. So today we come to chapter 12, verses 27 to 47. And as we read Nehemiah 12, pay attention to some of the repetitive words relating to singing and music, thankfulness, joyfulness, celebrating. So Nehemiah 12, verse 27. Let's pray before we read from God's word. God, again, we are humbled and thankful to be able to come into your presence and hear from your holy word because you're a holy God. And we give you thanks for your word, ancient words that spoke to your people in the early times, in ancient times, and continue to speak to your people today. So Lord, as we read from your word, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us so that we may understand what it is that you're speaking to us here in this place, in this time, to be able to gather together only to be scattered in your name and to take your word into our hearts and into our lives and live it out wherever you send us. So bless the reading and the proclamation of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So Nehemiah 12, uh, we begin at 27. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with music of cymbals, hearts, harps, and lyres. And the musicians also were brought together from the region around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Netaphetites, from Beth Gilgal, and from the area of Geba and Asmaveth. For the musicians had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. When the priests and Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, 
They purified the people, the gates, and the wall. And I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. And I also signed two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed on top of the wall to the right, toward the dung gate. And Hoshiah and half the leaders of Judah followed them, along with Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah, as well as some priests with trumpets. And also Zechariah, son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micaiah, the son of Zakur, the son of Asaph, and his associates, Shemaiah, Azarel, Melali, Gilali, Maiah, Nethanel, Judah, and Hanani, with musical instruments prescribed by David, the man of God. Ezra, the teacher of the law, led the procession. And at the fountain gate, they continued directly up to the steps of the city of David on the ascent to the wall and passed above the site of David's palace to the water gate on the east. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction, and I followed them on top of the wall, together with half the people, past the tower of the ovens to the broad wall, over the gate of Ephraim, the Jeshina gate, the fish gate, the tower of Henanel, the tower of the hundred, as far as the sheep gate. At the gate of the guard, they stopped. And the two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. And so did I, together with half the officials, as well as the priests, Iliakim, Messiah, Miniamin, Micaiah, Elionai, Zechariah, and Hananiah, with their trumpets. And also Messiah, Shemaiah, Eleazar, Azi, Jehohanan, Melchijah, Elam, and Ezer. The choir sang under the direction of Jezrehiah. And on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. At that time, men were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms for the contributions, for the first fruits and tithes. And from the fields around the towns, they were to bring into the storerooms the portions required by the law for the priests and the Levites. For Judah was pleased with the ministering priests and Levites. And they performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did also the musicians and gatekeepers, according to the commands of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there had been directors for the musicians and for the songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. So in the days of Zerubbabel and of Nehemiah, all Israel contributed daily portions for the musicians and the gatekeepers. And they also set aside the portion for other Levites, and the Levites set aside the portion for the descendants of Aaron. So as you can hear through this reading, there's a celebration going on in Jerusalem. But what is not specifically spelled out in this chapter, but is still going on behind the scenes and in the lives of the people, are the struggles among them. The walls were repaired. They came together in 52 days. And there is reason for celebration and dedication, as this chapter expresses. But throughout the reading of Nehemiah, we read also about the opposition. There were enemies that were surrounding the Jewish people. Enemies that were mocking them. Enemies that were taunting them. Now, thankfully, this city was more secure than it ever has been. But it's still able to be breached. The opposition was still out there. And perhaps there would still be anxiety among the people. They were still a threat. We also read a chapter on the inequities among the Jewish people. There were inequities in economics. 
There are poor people who are struggling on a daily basis. And there were those who were more well off. And they were being challenged to share their resources and to give of their possessions and finances. God wanted to see people love him and to love their neighbor. God wanted to see unity among his people. He wanted to see justice. And we trust that people were obedient to God and sharing their finances and possessions. But things likely didn't change overnight either. In fact, in the latter part of this chapter, in chapter 12, the people again are instructed in their offerings and their tithes. And they're instructed again to continue sharing. Another challenge before the people was that the city needed to be repopulated. Some volunteered to move from the countryside into the city of Jerusalem. Others were kind of voluntold to move into the city. Others were chosen by lot and were required to fill the city. Some people had to leave their farms. They had to leave their families. They had to kind of start completely new in this new setting. It wasn't necessarily an easy transition. And then on top of all the national stuff going on, each family likely struggled with their own personal stuff. People were still living with sin. People were still living with the baggage of ancestors having been in captivity. People were still losing loved ones through death and through moving. And relationships were still strained. And yet, in verse 27, we read, The Levites were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving. Songs of thanksgiving were being sung. Choirs were set up on the walls to lead the people. The people were worshiping and praising and singing and celebrating. Nothing could prevent them from coming before their holy and awesome God. And we read in verse 43, And on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. Our joy comes from our God. You see, our joy is not on account of our circumstances and what's currently going on in our lives. Because if that were the case, many of us might not have joy at all. Because sometimes circumstances are such that life kind of just sucks. But our joy is not dependent on ourselves. Our joy is not dependent on our circumstances. Our joy comes from Him. Our joy, our worship, our celebrations are dependent on God. And God is completely dependable. So when we gather together for worship, when we gather together for sacraments such as Lord's Supper or Baptism, when we gather together as God's people, there is always going to be stuff and circumstances going on in our lives. But don't let that prevent you from fully worshiping or taking part in worship or taking part in the sacraments or taking part just gathering together as God's people because it's not about us it's all about God the walls were completed and this was cause for celebration but more importantly It was caused because God is their God. And they were God's people. Despite the circumstances that surround anybody, God is our God. We are his people. 
And celebration is an important aspect of Christian worship. Celebration is not about what we do or what has gone on in our life. Now, of course, we have to share our story. We have to share our events. But celebration, our sharing, points us to God and what He is doing. Celebrate on account of all God's faithfulness. Despite what the Israelites were going through, despite what any of us are going through, and don't get me wrong, do not minimize our circumstances. That's not what we're talking about. But God is our God. We are His people. And God continues to give us great joy. And we can't minimize that. Situations that we're in, and even presently, they will bring about tears. They will bring about grief. But through it all, God remains with us. And as believers, we have hope. And because of that hope, because of that focus on God, there is always joy. There is always a celebration. There is always worship. Because through it all, God is our God and we are his people. And certain situations may lead us to cry out to God because we just don't understand what's going on. And we can cry out our questions to our God. And there still might be anger among his people in unresolved tensions. And even though we may sometimes seem far away from God, he is always with us. And he remains with us through it all. And there still remains a joy among the people. Because joy is not circumstantial. It is a joy because the Lord God is their strength. It is a joy because they have their eyes focused on their Lord, their God. So the Jewish people celebrated. They made noise. They let it be known that they were joyful in the Lord. And they worshipped. They were filled with gratitude toward God. And they had so much enthusiasm in their worship that their shouts and songs in Jerusalem were heard from far away. When you focus your attention on Jesus, you don't need to be worried about what the other person thinks. You don't have to be concerned about offending anyone because that's their choice to be offended. You're only concerned about praising your Lord and your Savior, staying focused on the Lord, worshiping Him. Don't let ourselves get distracted by other things. Other things that may very well be important, okay? But if they distract you from your focus on God, that's not good. So it was a day of celebration, this dedication of the walls. It was a day of fun. But before the fun began, verse 30 states that they purified themselves. Holiness and celebration are not mutually exclusive. God calls us to be holy people because he is holy. And being holy people is living in obedience to God. In Nehemiah, the priests and the Levites, they were to purify themselves. And then the people were purified, and then the gates and the wall were purified. The people were to purify themselves because purification acknowledges who God is. It points attention to God. 
It points attention that God is holy. Now today there's not so much purification rituals, let alone with objects, but we spend time. We spend time in personal devotions. We include a time of confession. When we spend time in worship as, as God's people, as a corporate worship, we enter into a time of confession. And a time of confession reminds us that, yes, we are sinful. And it reminds us that our God is holy. And through His Son, Jesus Christ, He takes away all our sins. This time of purification, this time of holiness, definitely would lead lead us towards a time of joy. A time of joy despite our sins. And despite our circumstances. Recall a few, back a few weeks ago, we read from Nehemiah 8. And the people were reading the law. And they realized that they had fallen short. And they began mourning and weeping on account of their sins. And then Nehemiah 8 verse 10, Nehemiah and Ezra, the priest, Ezra and the priest said, This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. God is holy. And he gives us a holy day. And this does not mean that we sit quietly and fold our hands. Holiness means that we focus our attention on our God and all that he has done for us. Holiness is that we do not get distracted by our sins and our circumstances, but we bring them before God, before Jesus Christ. And that we turn our eyes to Jesus who is holy and calls us to be holy. Holiness is not so much about reverence. It is about obedience. And holiness might be reverence and stillness. We read in Psalm 46, Be still and know that I am God. But holiness can also be boisterous and celebratory, as we saw this morning with the kids, as we see in Nehemiah 12. God's emerging future for his people is that we are holy. That we are obedient. That we express our joy to him in all and every circumstance. That we can take all our circumstances to him. And through it all, we remain joy-filled. And God's emerging future is a journey for each of us. It's a journey that we must travel. And one that we would want to travel. In the New Testament, Paul states these words in Philippians 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it. Rejoice. In the 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8, Paul states again, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Maybe some of you have noticed that over the past few days, we've had some more rain than normal. I don't know, how many inches did we get? Did anybody measure? Farmers? Three and a half in places, okay. Creeks are overflowing, and other areas got even some more. So in the last few days, we've got a ton of rains, and it's been very wet and dreary couple of days. No doubt setting some of the field work behind. But I hope you also noticed, last night, around 8.30, did 
Did you have the opportunity to look in the West? West. Good. Good. Some of you did. And what did we see in the West? An amazing, brilliant sunset. Did you have an opportunity to see in the East at the same time? Awesome. Because in the East was a rainbow. A wonderful rainbow. Reminding us of God's faithfulness in, his, in our lives. Reminding us that God is good in the good times. That He is good in the hard times. That He is faithful and worthy of all our praise. We worship and celebrate a good God. There's that song, it reminds me by Casting Crowns. We praise you even in the storms of life. So when we get lots of rain, God reminds us that we're called to praise Him. So this joy that we receive from God, remember it's from God, it's to be contagious. And the sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem, as we read already, could be heard far away. And it's not just about God's people being joy-filled, it's also about God's people reaching out in joy. Providing occasions for others to see what a joy-filled person is despite our circumstances. Keeping our focus on God and all that he has done. This is a witness to each one of us and to those around us. Whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, please take time to mourn, to grieve, to share the hurts that might be on your heart. But never fail to focus our attention on the Lord and how God has given us great joy through His Son, Jesus Christ. What a blessing it is to be part of a church family. We are blessed to be part of the family of God despite any circumstances that may come upon us. We are blessed to belong to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, in life and in death. I close off with these words from 1 Peter 1. Praise be to our God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and our inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, just as the Israelites had seasons of blessings and seasons of struggles, your people today have similar seasons. And perhaps in some cases, it leaves us asking why. But in all cases, may it mean that we turn to you. Because when we turn to you, we realize that you have never left us. And you continue to be present in all seasons of life. You continue to be present in all of our life. We thank you, Lord. And because of all that you have done for us through your creation, through your word, through your son, Jesus Christ, despite our circumstances, we come before you and praise you. And we celebrate who you are and all that you have done. We bless you and sing praises to you. Israel came with cymbals and harps and lyres, and today it might be organ, piano, drums, sax, guitars, trumpets, and praise teams and choirs. We come before you with our hands, we come before you with our voices, and we praise you. Blessed be your name, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.